This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And right now, without further ado, as he is standing in the midst of sunshine and cacti down in St. George, Utah, good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How are you doing? Uh, I understand that maybe the sunshine is a misnomer because you've been in the middle of a lot of rain. Is that right? (laughs) You know, last week was great. It was nice. It was sunny. But Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah, it, it came down pretty hard. Pretty good. Well, now, you you always have a great preparation for what's going to be on Dr. History Weekly, and I'm basically, because we're doing this program long distance, I'm going to turn everything over to you. And what is the subject matter for today? We're going to talk about lost treasure and dead people. How's that? <laughs> Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> okay. Well... So we start out. Now, actually, this story came, uh, was published in 1915 by, uh, so this story actually goes back 100 years, but uh, so it's being told by a fellow that, uh, anyway, we're going to start off, um, anyway, not too long ago, and remember, we're at 1915, there was a group of mining men that gathered at one of the principal hotels in Denver to talk about matters and things of interest to the mining business uh, they were having a nice cold root beer, and uh, some of them had made fortunes in mining, and a few of them had actu- uh, actual experience in prospecting and the hardships involved with that. But the conversation naturally turned to the early days, which for them would have been the 1800s, uh, the early days of mining in the state, and after several incidences of interest had been told, one of the party drew from his pocket a buck bag. And from that, he brought out a large gold nugget, which was huge and worth a lot of money. And it was uh, something these guys had never quite seen before. So the fellow goes on, he says, this nugget, he said, has a history. Pretty interesting. Its possession cost the life of at least one human and one mule, uh, besides years of hardship and anguish and toil and work. But the exact spot where it came from is unknown. At present, he said, I confidently believe many years will elapse before it is ever known. So he continues the story. He says, in the early part of 1860, when the country generally in Colorado was kind of primitive, you know, there was mostly just coyotes and a few Indians and one thing or another, but uh, a lone prospector set out from Denver to explore the then uninhabited region in the vicinity of the Greenhorn and Sangre de Cristo Ranges. Have you heard of that before, Zeb? I have, as a matter of fact, and I know quite a bit about that area's history, so I'm very interested in this. Okay. So this is about 200 miles south of Denver. Yep. But uh, no one knew who this guy was or where he came from. 
Now, a few questions were ever asked regarding a man's history. Uh, it was sufficient to know that he was there and one of them. They didn't uh, try to find out anything more. So anyway, at the place where he bought his supplies, uh, however, he gave the name of George W. Skinner. Okay, keep that guy in mind. In mind. And he said he was outfitting a trip to the Sangre de Cristo country, uh, and besides paying, paying for what he purchased, he deposited with the owner of the store uh, a pretty good sum of money, which he did not care to take with him, into the mountains, saying he would call for it when he returned in the fall. Well, as these stories go, several years passed, and nothing was heard of the lone prospector. And the beautiful wet mountain valley uh, where we're talking was actually the home of a German colony which had come from the east and settled there. And these guys uh, didn't do hardly any prospecting because they were too busy as pioneers, you know, trying to build a home and uh, raise a family and uh, raising cattle and one thing or another. So one day early in the spring of 1868, a middle-aged man drove up to one of the more uh, wealthy-looking ranch houses in the valley and asked if he could stay for the night. And, of course, back then they did that. But anyway, his request was granted and had a nice evening meal. Well, when the family, which ranged uh, uh, sitting about the fireplace, they started wanted no news from the outside because any time somebody came in, you know, the family wanted to know, okay, what's going on out, you know, out in Denver and one thing or another, but... Anyway, um, he said he came from Illinois, he said, and he was in search of a missing brother whom he had traced that far and was anxious to find. Well, the brother had left home to come to Colorado in the early days of the Western fever, gold fever, and since which time nothing had been heard of him, this George Skinner. Okay, So this is his brother that's out looking for him. Now, becoming alarmed at his continued absence, this brother had come to Colorado and, upon arriving at Denver, had learned from a friend who was in the grocery business that there was a man by the name of Skinner who bought a bunch of goods from him early in 1860, uh, giving the Sangre de Cristo country as his objective point, and had left a sum of money on the deposit, which he had never called for, never come back to the store. So the brother had a hint right there. So, uh, anyway, he made his way to the valley in hopes of finding some trace of his brother, uh, George Skinner. Well, the following morning, the German rancher accompanied the younger Mr. Skinner through the valley, but not one of the residents, the other Germans, had ever heard of this guy. It's kind of like he was there and just disappeared. So, anyway, he was kind of discouraged, the younger brother, by the failure of his mission, but uh, the discouraged brother proceeded to hire an old hunter and guide, and started into the mountains in the hope of uh, finding some information or something about his brother. Well, some months uh, were spent without finding a trace of the man uh, that they were looking for, and as the summer season was drawn to a close, Mr. Skinner and his guide started for the valley where they decided they would spend the winter uh, with where the German people were, were at. So... Uh, anyway, they said they figured they'd take up the search again in the early spring. Well, one night they camped just at the Timberline on the eastern slope of a place called Horns Peak. Have you heard of that one, Zeb? No, that one you've got me on. Okay. Uh, it must not be a very big one. But anyway, that's where they set up camp. 
and it apparently had been at one time the camp of a prospector. Okay. Now, Mr. Skinner's curiosity prompted him to make some exploration in the gathering twilight, and while removing some brush, he found uh, what looked like to be the floor and the roof of a cabin. Hmm. And he found an old leather uh, kind of pocketbook type thing that was partly rotted away and carefully tied up with wire and uh, being kind of tired and it was the end of the day, it was getting dark, he just put it in his pocket, uh, figuring he'd look at it the next morning. Okay, so here's the picture. George Skinner has disappeared for several years. His younger brother is out looking for him with a guide. They've been out there several months in the summer, can't find him. They stop and set up camp for the night, and he finds this, what looks like the remains of an old cabin, and he finds this kind of leather-looking pouch that's kind of looks about half rotten, puts it in his pocket. So they stay the night. Now, in the night, one of the snowstorms that's so common in the mountains at that time of the year uh, came up, and when the travelers got up in the morning, they found several inches of snow uh, waiting for them with no signs of the storms letting up at all. So getting their camp fixtures together, they packed their burrows and made their way as fast as they could to the home of this German family in the valley. And they arrived safely in the course of a day's travel, and uh, not until the animals had been safely housed and everything made good for the winter did Mr. Skinner remember about uh, his find that he'd put in his pocket. So he unfolded the pocketbook, and the secret of his long, long search was revealed. Carefully rolled up in the inside of the wallet was a letter written by his brother more than eight years before. Mm. Now, here's what here's what the letter said. This is and I, I like this Zeb, because this is a this is straight from the horse's mouth type story. I like this one. Okay. So here's what he said in his letter: My weary search is ended, and my efforts crowned with success. Tomorrow, I start for the settlements to return in the spring to uncover and work the valuable mine which I have discovered. Realizing the fact that I am a long way from civilization and liable to meet with serious mishap, if not death, before I reach the outer world, I am prompted to make the following statements, which may reach the hand of some friend should misfortune overtake me. This letter I will leave in my cabin, hoping that I will uh, be on the ground again in the spring... As, uh, as soon as I can, basically. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Then he continues in the letter. He says, my name is George W. Skinner, and my, no my home is in the city, and then it doesn't say, but somewhere in Illinois. And he comes on, he says, early this spring I started for the Sangre de Cristo Mountains from Denver to Prospect. 
being impelled to come here by the reports of gold finds disclosed to me by some friendly Indians. God only knows the hardships I endured in reaching this country, and after spending the greater part of the season in fruitless search, I finally discovered what I believe to be one of the richest mines in Colorado, and I will carry out with me all the gold I can manage with my limited facilities to find the discovery shaft of the property which I have purposely filled up. Uh, in other words, you'd hidden it. Uh, you stand with your back to the west side of the cabin. This is the cabin that his younger brother had found. Okay, And he says, alongside the door, then walk up the gulch in front of you 20 paces. You will then arrive at the place on the right-hand side of the gulch. The lead is a blind one, and I accidentally found it while digging out the roots of a tree that had been blown down. Oh, my. Now, he continues. He, he wrote a pretty long letter here. Uh, he said, should any person find this letter inside of one year, it will avail him nothing, as I have complied with the law sufficiently to hold the property for that length of time. If I do not return within that time, the property can be located by anyone. The only request I have to make is that the finder of this note notify my brother at the above address, signed George W. Skinner. Mm. Okay. Are, are you still with us? Oh, absolutely, sir. Okay. Uh, the brother was now thoroughly convinced that some harm had uh, come to his, George, his brother, and without telling any one of his discoveries. So he was determined to set out in the spring and try to solve the mystery. Well, the snow that winter was pretty severe, uh, you know, a lot of snow, and then rocks moved, landslides, trees, one thing or another. Uh, but with the opening of the spring, the snow on the south and east side of the mountain rapidly disappeared. And so uh, in March, Mr. Skinner and his guide struck into the mountains, the guide being informed that they would take up the search where they left off the year before. In other words, they were going to try to find that old cabin right. that his brother had had. Right. Well, when they arrived at what they supposed was the place where the old cabin had been found, everything was changed. Uh, like I said, because of the heavy snow, uh, land snow slides, they were unable to find even any hint of, where, of the cabin. I mean, trees had been swept away, boulders moved, uh, so the general appearance uh, was completely changed. And, and that's probably what happens a lot of times when people uh, try to uh, follow a map to uh, something, you know, that things have changed. Well, young Mr. Skinner determined to spend the summer in that area in the hopes of obtaining some clue of his missing brother and, if possible, locating the lost mine. Yet all their efforts were uh, to no avail, and when fall set in, they reluctantly abandoned the search and again started for the foothills. Well, Mr. Skinner had decided to organize a party and make a systematic search the following year after returning home and taking care of some business that he had at home. Well, one day's travel from where he and the guide started on the return trip, the mountain kind of broke off very abruptly. Uh, the trail, uh, which the party was following, was kind of along a rocky side hill, and the mountain overhung a chasm uh, hundreds of feet deep. Well, while carefully picking their way along this dangerous path, one of the burrows became frightened, at, and you know how they can shy and jump. Well, it uh, plunged and bucked and went over the cliff and rolled down the gulch below, and several articles of value were in the pack, so 
two men decided they would uh, tie up the remaining burrow and pick their way down to the bottom of the gulch to save what they could of the wreckage because the mule was dead. Right. Well, at the place where the burrow was logged, some 200 feet below the trail, they were horrified to find the skeletons of a man and an animal lodged on a small shelf of rock near where their burrow had struck. Uh-oh. Well, portions of the pack were still on the animal, and some of the clothing still clung to the skeleton of the man. Now, among the articles found near the dead man was a book containing a diary. Mm. So you're probably ahead of me on this. This showed that the skeleton was that of George Skinner. Wow. And the last entry in the diary referred to the writing of the letter, which we've already read, telling the secret of the mine and indicating that it had been written on the day prior to George's death. Oh, my. Well, on examination of the skeleton showed that the skull had been split in two, and Skinner thought it had been the work of maybe Indians, uh, robbery, although could not have been the motive, uh, however, as uh, there was a lot of gold and other uh, gear uh, of, camp- of the camping outfit were found nearby. So whoever did this didn't uh, rob the guy. But the remains were buried under a large pine on the mountainside near where they had uh, lain so long, and Mr. Skinner resumed his homeward trip. He was kind of saddened by the fate of his brother, yet satisfied that uh, he had unraveled the mystery surrounding the disappearance. Well, wait a minute. I've got a question right there. I've got a question. Why couldn't it have been accidental where maybe the mule had faltered and uh, and disrupted their descent off this mountain, and maybe the mule pulled him over the edge, and it was all an accident? Yeah, and when he said his head was split open, you know, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, he could have hit a rock, a sharp edge of a rock, um, and that really probably makes more sense yeah. than somebody killing him. But because evidently it was a very steep uh, hill that they were on this trail. Right. So, but anyway, Skinner headed a party the following summer, and they tried to locate the lost mine. In fact, they continued the search for several years, but with the snow and the accompanying slides, uh, together with forest fires, heavy rain, uh, the summer had completely, pretty much obliterated all traces of the old camp and buried deeper than ever the rich uh, uh, mine of what's called Old Horns Peak. Now, this guy that started out telling this story with his buddies up in Denver, here's what he said. He said, I accompanied Mr. Skinner one year on his search, and from him, I learned the story. He showed me the letter written by his brother of the lost mine and allowed me to take a copy of it, which I still have, among my relics. This big nugget of gold I have shown you is only one of a number taken from the pack of the dead burrow by Mr. Skinner. And it convinces me that the dead man was not far wrong when he said that he found one of the richest mines in Colorado. Mr. Skinner and his party abandoned the search long ago, but someday in the future, Old Horns Peak will yield the secret of its buried treasure. Well, now, just and to... that's the story of George... Skinner and his brother. Okay, I've got a couple of questions for you. Now, you say that initially there was a gold nugget that led the other brother on the search. What was it worth? It must have been worth literally thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, and you were talking, you know, 1860s. And to have a huge gold nugget, 
nugget, you know, yeah, it had to be worth a lot. But evidently, they, when they found his body, the skeleton, there was also there's some more gold nuggets right. that he had evidently been carrying out as well. Right. And they did uh, gather those up, which I don't know how many or how much that would have been worth. But yeah, we're talking, you know, thousands of dollars worth of just in what they found at the side of the dead mule and the dead uh, brother. Well, what happened to the other brother? Don't leave me hanging. What did he do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it says he gave up. And so I, I'm thinking he gave up and headed home. I mean, he'd been out there three or four years, five years by now, looking and looking, and he could never find the same place where he'd uh, found the, uh, the cabin. Well, no, I think that's part of your homework is to find out, A, number one, what happened to the brother, and B, did he die a rich man because of his brother finding those nuggets? <laughs> you know, that's the rest of the story that I don't know <laughs> and probably won't. <laughs> well, now, give us a little background. Why are you in St. George, Utah? Well, we had some family down here we stayed with or that we, that we hooked up with. I hate to admit it, but I did go golfing a little bit. And Zeb, I got to tell you, they this time of year they have what they call a home show. Yes. Where they show all these model homes, uh-huh. fancy homes. There was a uh, there was a cheap one that was only about three million. Uh, another one was only about one point seven million. But I've got to tell you, there was one that I really wanted to go to, and I did. It's a man who has in his home three huge rooms, twenty foot ceilings with every kind of animal mount you could possibly want. Wow. I mean, I'm talking elephant, polar bear, alligator, elk, deer, mountain goats, fish, pheasants. Uh, in fact, when I come out next week, I'm going to show you some video of what this guy has in his house. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it almost like, look, makes Cabela's look like amateurs. <laughs> I mean, lions. Uh, it is amazing. Well, I want to say this house to showcase his uh, hunts. Oh, my goodness. Well, listen, Dr. History down in St. George, enjoy your stay down there in the land of sunshine that has turned into rain. And we'll look forward to having you back on the air next Tuesday right here in the studio. God bless you, my friend. I will actually be home today. All right. Well, you take care. All right, see you next week. All right, thank you very much. My friend, Dr. History, Dr. Ken Turner. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.